0: Welcome to the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD on the FM at 99.9 HD2, also online worldwide at WFMD.com. You can connect with us at WFMD.com, find the Faith Debate page there. You can also connect through my church's website, Household of Faith in There you'll find uh, links to uh, the this show also to the YouTube channel for this show because we're doing these shows now on Facebook Live and then converting that video uh, into something that's housed on YouTube, so you can you can watch that as well. You get some behind the scenes stuff like you know uh, you know drug deals, things like that that happen on occasion. You never know what's going to happen in the studio of the Faith Debate. I'm telling you, put four pastors together and it gets just a little bit zany. Uh, I'm joking, by the way, joking. Uh, Imran Rasvi. Um, uh, I probably should have said Somebody else's name first Since you are the one Talking about the drug deal stuff I don't know But <laughs> uh, Daniel Razvi And yes they're related uh, Father and son team They're both with the house The church that meets at um, uh, Imran's nice house Or the church at Imran's house I think they call it uh, David Forsey He's a house church pastor as well He's the no name church uh, pastor He still hasn't come up with a name And uh, my church I'm Troy Skinner And my church is Household of Faith in Christ And so we actually have a website and everything so nanny nanny boo-boo um householdoffaithinchrist.com so this week we're going to talk about a really uplifting fun you know post-holiday topic death
1: you are all going to die
0: so i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago you
1: know where you're going when you die
0: i mentioned i do
2: Troy, people are people are just getting into their new year's resolutions
0: yeah, well, <laughs> if you don't stick to your resolution to lose those 40 pounds, you're going to die. How's that for motivation? Oh man, <laughs> I'm a tough taskmaster. To be honest, even if you lose the 40 pounds, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's inevitable. You know, we're all going to die, and uh, and you want to tell us where we go when we die, Daniel? Well,
1: it depends on whether you have faith in Christ. If you're one of the household that has faith in Christ, that He died for your sins, that you don't have to be in hell for eternity. You're still going to die, but you get to go to heaven instead.
3: But you must repent first.
1: Yes. You cannot just say, oh, I, I believe in God. Even the demons believe in God. They're going to, they're going to hell. <laughs> so um, the demons know there is one God, and they believe, believe what he d- uh, does, and they know what he did, but they're not putting their faith in him and obeying him. But I said a big word. I said repent. David, you want to tell us what repent
0: means?
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah, to uh
0: R E P E N six le- oh, that's not that big of a word.
2: It's a big big word in today's vocabulary when nobody knows what to repent means. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, to to repent is to um in the context of the gospel is to to turn from our sin, turn from uh trusting in in ourselves and anything else and uh turn to Christ, uh, to trust in him for, uh, to save us, to rescue us from our sin. And, um, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it, it begins with agreeing with God that we are sinners and that he is righteous and that, uh, that, you know, I mean, with the understanding like we, like we started, we're, we're, yes, we all all of our bodies will die. Uh, all of our spirits are are eternal, um, but uh, but that that eternity will either be spent with God because, for those who are have turned from their sin and trusted in Christ uh, to to rescue them from their sin, or um, uh, apart from God in the sense of apart from His. Uh, um, from the the glory of his goodness, but not apart from um, from his just wrath.
0: Very well said, and I'm glad we kicked off the show that way because that helps to put things in context with what we're going to be saying. Because we're talking about thing things in our world that uh, are either dead or dying, and um, it's kind of been a theme, a loose theme, these last few weeks about let, let's not overemphasize things to the ultimate so the ultimate are the concerns of what we were just talking about these last few minutes so these aren't ultimate concerns and yet they are important concerns nonetheless we've seen a lot of death I mentioned I think it was last week I mentioned the death of some icons like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, Alex Trebek and Larry King Um, Prince Philip Colin Powell I'd be remiss on a station like WFMD not mention the uh, not so long ago death of Rush Limbaugh um, these are iconic figures that have died. Um, and so who knows what the eternal quest- answers to the question are for them. Oh, what We were just talking about these last mm-hmm. few minutes. We've also seen the, you know, the, the death of history in a sense. You yeah, know, I, I jokingly refer to 1619 Project, either last week or the week before. Uh, being taught in our schools, uh, it, when I say death of history, meaning the history we've all grown up knowing and trusting and believing, uh, is, is we're being told, no, that's not true. You need to replace it with this new version, this revisionist kind of a, of a version that's based in critical race theory and and cultural Marxism or ethnic Gnosticism or whatever label you want to apply to that sort of thinking. Uh, but it's not just 1619 Project being taught in schools. It's the removal of statues and monuments all around uh, the the country, um, and the renaming of streets and buildings, you know, school buildings or other government buildings that were named for presidents. But now those presidents are said to have been bad guys because maybe they had slaves in their, you know, working at their household or something. And so we have to rename. So we're losing a sense of some history. There's also, I think, you know, the death of learning, not just 1619 project replacing our history, but Things being canceled, like Dr. Seuss was famously or infamously uh, canceled a year, year and a half ago. Um, you know, schools were closed because of the, uh, the the dreaded Rona. You know, so uh, learning kind of died because everything went, went virtual. There was virtual learning, but I'm not sure how much learning was taking place with the virtual learning when they were doing that. Um, so we've got these these indicators of something being broken and dead and decaying in our culture, I think these are indicators of it. Some other things I could throw out to get us, get us talking about. It. But you have anything you want to say about those things? I threw an awful lot out there at once.
3: Well, this is a dying world. When sin was entered into the world, the world started dying. And uh, as Daniel and I both uh, believe in the eschatology of the world ending soon with Christ coming back— all these things have to come to an end so that christ will come back and uh, we will reign with him
0: yeah uh, probably let me think about this i'm gonna guess that maybe in three or four recording sessions from now we're probably gonna have to get around to tackling the eschatological uh questions because i think there's probably some nuanced differences uh, between the, the four of us in the room, and that'll be a fun, fun discussion for us to have. But uh, in, in a sense, yes, the world is, is dying, but it's also um, through the salt and light that is the church, there's, there's, a, there's a life that's, that's brought into the dying world as well. And that's what we've been talking about, advocating for justice and for what's right and true and good and trying to make a good difference. It's why we share the gospel it's why we try to be good parents and good citizens and good neighbors. Um, so I, I, I don't know that I'm taking an ultra-pessimistic view. I'm not sure that you guys are either, but I, um, that's why it might be an interesting discussion on eschatological views to, to have that. But a lot of this death and decay, it's playing out with, the I met, mentioned the term postmodernism, uh, I think two weeks ago and kind of gave a loose definition of what that, what that means, this idea that we can't really grasp what truth is. And so then life becomes nihilistic. It becomes meaningless. There's no ultimate because you can't know what's true. So if you don't really know what's true, what's it matter if I lie? What's it matter if I do this other thing? You say it's wrong, but well, who's to say you're right in saying it's wrong? Who's, you know, it's true for you that it's wrong, but it's true for me that it's right. So get into this weird, it's unlivable philosophy. Mm-hmm. It really is. But part of me thinks that it's being foisted upon us because it's unlivable. It's part of the, de- the deconstructionism <laughs> that's taking
3: place. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of last year or the, uh, maybe more than a year ago when mostly peaceful protests, when the bur- buildings are burning in the background, when AOC in December said, oh, um, there's no real evidence of these flash mobs, even though there's video evidence of it. The, the truth doesn't bear out. What is she talking about? Because that's what you're, you're talking about. It's just absolute nonsense and truth doesn't matter it's whatever you feel
0: yeah is it Michael Brown I think Uh, the hands up don't shoot Uh, but turns out that never happened he never said it but that was the narrative that was you know perpetrated put out there in the mainstream news forever
1: And, and and I can't breathe was said by George Floyd before he even got out of the cop car he was sitting in the in the seat saying that yeah, so, although
0: there was a New York case too, where somebody was uh, was uh, brought to the ground by the police and said he couldn't breathe, and so there's that one. And he apparently did it. But yeah, how, okay, that's, let's let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk about that. There's there's so many of them: Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud uh, 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 Arbery. Uh, you mentioned George Floyd. Um, what are some others? I I I'm gonna get Michael Brown. I mentioned there are others, but I can't. Trayvon Martin. Yeah, there's, there's, and, and it's a big thing in the BLM uh, movement to say their name.
1: Right. Calling in a spirit of a dead person to. Yeah, to talk about that.
0: You. I don't know if most people so, know what so that is. So When you say, mm-hmm.
1: if, if you're affiliated with the BLM and you're saying, say her name or say his name, you're inviting demons to possess you. That's literally what you're doing. You're a- asking, you're talking to a dead person. And the actual dead person is not going to hear you. Anything that does hear you is going to be demonic. And it is possible to invite demonic possession. And I think that's what a lot of people are
0: doing with that. And if that seems like too out there, you're like, what the heck is Daniel saying? There are videos with these, the, 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 the people who founded BLM and they're basically having seances and they're calling forth their ancestors. That's what they're attempting to do now if any entity is called forth, we know one thing, it's not their ancestors. (laughs) They may think it's their ancestor, but it's not their ancestors, but this is, they're really doing it. So he's not making that up. This is actually, there's video proof. And uh, I think that there's actually things they've written that talk about this too. So he's not making as as crazy as that kind of sounds to the typical person. I think it's actually true. Um, Another thing that ties into this this uh this BLM movement thing was remember Bubba Wallace the NASCAR driver and this is going back uh year year plus probably now um with the uh, garage door opener hanging in this Yeah and they thought there was a noose uh hanging in his car stall and they thought that it was supposed to be intimidating uh you know a, a, a And
3: and let's not forget Jesse Smollett.
0: Oh uh, Jesse Smollett who who yeah claimed to uh uh, claimed to have been mugged by uh, "Make America Great people Again." He hired to mug him. Yeah, yeah. And one
3: of whom was one of his
1: lovers.
0: Oh, I didn't. That part I didn't know. The one of the people that supposedly mugged him was his lover. Came out. Came out in the trial recently. So, just, so Jussie's gay.
3: That's what he was. All, that, that's that is supposedly why he was being beat up because he was black and he was gay. Oh, I didn't know he was gay.
0: Yeah. Oh, see, I unlike you listening to the radio right now. I pay attention when David Forcey tells me not to be a busybody, <laughs> and to stick my nose into stuff that I really have no control over. I listen. Sure you Good do, job, Troy. Troy. Sure you do. Another big story, uh, and actually, the the last time we recorded some shows for the Faith Debate, this show, th- this topic, this issue was like right about to happen, and but it hadn't happened yet, so. We just missed the window, but this is our chance maybe to uh, dive into the Kyle Rittenhouse waters uh, following the, uh, oh, that's another name, Jacob Blake, right? The Jacob Blake shooting because he was uh, Mm -hmm. in his car and and the police shot him a whole bunch of times. which I still can't quite understand how how he got shot so many times, but apparently Jacob Blake did have a a knife, a weapon on him, and so it does seem like it was a justified shooting. But how he got shot so many times still doesn't register in my head.
1: He was a domestic abuser they got the police got called for that and he resisted arrest and went for a knife and got shot I mean, that was that's what the police call a good shoot meaning one that's that that there's absolutely no question about whether it was justified
0: Yeah, not yeah i'm not i'm and, not questioning the shoot no. I'm just, uh, but i still but can't get my it came, head around he that's was that's shot like seven that. times wasn't he something like that something like that
1: it, it's it's actually pretty pretty easy to shoot a gun a lot of times in a row.
0: Like is it yeah. When I,
1: you're when you're when you're tense and you're and, and you're um, stressed, yeah, you know, the, your, your hand can just shake and start shooting
0: more. Ask Alex Baldwin. But,
1: but besides besides that oh, <laughs> beside that,
3: um, when somebody has a knife and it's coming af- at you, you shoot them, they're still coming at you. Then you shoot them again, they're still moving in your direction. Unless you have a really, really powerful gun that actually hit th- throws them back, like in the movies, that doesn't happen. The cops don't have guns that are going to blow somebody back ten feet. The the person is going to continue their motion forward
2: until they're shot multiple times, and they don't have the power to move forward. And that's and, and, and if your if your intent when you're when you're shooting a gun is to stop the person from coming at you, you know the. The the zone that you're in is to just keep pulling the trigger until the person actually stops coming. So right,
0: yeah. It's Alec Baldwin, by the way, right? I think it's yes. it Alex, but it's Alec. I think. I
2: think yeah. so.
0: Yeah, his brother Stephen is is a believer. I, I think. Hmm. Right. I don't know. One I'm of the sure. Baldwin brothers is in a lot of those but, really cheesy Christian movies, so I think he's a, <laughs> I think he's a believer. <laughs> I hope so. So Kyle Rittenhouse.
1: So yeah, he, Kyle Rittenhouse. So, Let's talk about so him. He, so he goes. To the um, – what? It, it's, it's really interesting the way these things are spun, right? So he basically drives to the next town over, which just happens to be in another state, but it's like 15 miles. It's not that far.
0: I grew up I mean, in that in area, Frederick. so I know how close in it Frederick. Is.
1: This is like me going home to Thurmont. It's, it's not very far. Um, yeah, and, Antioch
0: or- is like – right on the illinois wisconsin border in illinois and that's where his parent one of his parents lives kyle and kenosha is right on the border so that on the other side
1: this vigilante travels to another state to go attack people no i mean yeah yes he was in another state but again it's it's all how you spin it right so technically that's true he went to another state but but also, he also
0: lived in that state because his parents were divorced, I guess. And I forget which one's which. I think the mom lived in Antioch, Illinois, and his father lived in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And so he was spending time in both places. So it was one of his two hometowns. So hmm. that doesn't, I don't think, get portrayed very well either. That's interesting. Either.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if it wasn't for politics, that's a case that would never have made it to trial. Because... You have clear video evidence of people shooting at him people chasing him with dangerous and deadly weapons hit him hitting
0: him over the head with a yeah. skateboard yeah. multiple times
1: right <laughs> and so you you don't there's no not no question that he was in fear for his life and so he defended himself so that that really shouldn't have been ever on trial um, and I think that's he, he was he was acquitted on all charges but his life is ruined now. I mean, he's, if he's um, wise, he'll probably change his name and and move to another place and be in witness protection or something. And get
3: facial surgery. I mean, he went to Arizona State, and now you have all these groups at Arizona State that are complaining to the Arizona, we don't want a killer on our campus. He was obviously acquitted. In fact, the prosecutor's star witness is the reason that he was acquitted, because the prosecutor's star witness said, yeah, I pulled the gun on him, and then he shot me. He didn't shoot me till then.
0: Yeah, now— This is such a – if it were funny, it would be a comedy of errors because all the things, all the dominoes had to fall for this thing to happen. First of all, you've got this big movement to defund the police because we can take care of ourselves. We don't need the police. We trust ourselves. And so you hear a 17-year-old who decides that he's going to do that, and the people who are advocating for defunding the police will take care of ourselves are the ones critical of him. So that's bizarre. The fact that the police are so afraid to – uh, exacerbate an existing riot or to to spur on a riot if there hadn't been one break. The police are just standing by. They're like watchmen. They're, they don't actually ever act, it seems. and so I think they they were actually told to stand down. So the police would
3: saying. actually do something, but the, the the people in power, the mayors, the governors, they have asked them to stand down, and they're powerless because they're not allowed to do anything. And what I found really, really amusing is that Rittenhouse's trial, there was a bunch of people outside the courthouse BLM. There was not one black person shot. There was not one black person involved in that whole case.
1: But BLM, Black Lives Matter, Black. Li- in, in, in fact, they're trying to paint Rittenhouse as some racist white supremacist guy. There's there was one person involved in that incident that used the N word, and it was actually the guy that, you know, attacked Rittenhouse, and, <laughs> and Rittenhouse killed, and he wasn't even a, 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 a black person either. But it politics, right? Because. If this was really about justice and really about enforcing all of the laws and make sure we get to the truth, um, why they have this guy on the stand that had an illegal gun that he was waving around in people's faces and he didn't get arrested or charged with a single crime and he's still walking free? Now, I'm a big gun rights person. I think all guns should be, Ill- should be legal all the time for everybody. You should be allowed to carry around bazookas with no registration. But the fact of the matter is there is a law that says you can't carry in Wisconsin without uh, a permit and you can't own a gun unless it's, it, you know, it, you pass a background check or whatever. And A handgun. A handgun and and he, so he didn't – yeah, a handgun different than, than a rifle. And this guy didn't do any of those things. He was obviously a criminal under those laws and was not prosecuted because he did not fit that narrative of some, uh, you know, guy with an AR-15 that wanted to go shoot some people, which is, is total baloney.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the uh, it's almost an accidental, accidental lesson that we can learn from it is, you know, the strength in numbers. Um, you know, he somehow got separated from other people that were there doing similar things that he was doing. And he, and he became isolated and an, an easier target because apparently he was threatened earlier saying, oh, later on, if I find you alone, you know, I'm going to I'm going to you know teach you a lesson kind of thing. And then they found him alone. And we can apply that to what's going on in, in, in the larger case where somebody takes a stand against their employer because of mandates and one employer being let go isn't a big deal. So I think we've got to do a better job if we're trying to stand for what's right, trying to do what we think is right. We've got to figure out how to connect with people who are like-minded and do it in unison, do it with some unity. So if you work in a in a place that's got a hundred employees and so they're, you know, they're going to make everybody do something that you don't want to be doing, if you can find a, you know, do kind of a straw poll and find out if there's some people that agree with you maybe there's 10 or 12 or 15 or 30 or 50 of your employees fellow employees who agree with you then you don't have to go out by yourself and get picked off and then have somebody else go out by themselves and everybody's picked off one by one but if you all do it together we're not very good at at, at doing
2: that i mean the the important thing is to not to not be afraid Right and to be to be open about what we, what we believe, um, you know, and Christians especially should should be that way, <laughs> you know, should uh, should be trusting in God's provision for them and care of them. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm in, I'm, a, I'm agreeing with you, Troy.
3: But there are too many people that are afraid. I can give you a hmm. real life example with I actually voiced my opinion that I don't believe this country is systemically racist. And the company that was hiring me and was onboarding me pulled back because one of the uh, ladies that worked there was black, and she said, no, it is systemic racist. I said, no, people are racist. The com- country itself is not. We have more rights here than any other country. We ha- It's the best country in the world. And very quickly, um, I was told not that that same hour, but the very next day I was told, "Eh, we're not looking to hire you now. And so I actually said, why? They wouldn't give me any answer. I actually went to the uh, senior vice president and the president of the company and voiced and said, no, we've decided not to go in that direction. And so nobody would actually give me a straight answer. It was all because I had the gall to say, I love this country and we're not systemically uh, 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 racist, that there are bad people that do bad things. And yes, I've been the subject of racism in the past. Um, I have brown skin, and I am sorry for all those that have been treated badly. And there are people that, and there are pl- places and governments and things in this country and everywhere else that that doesn't uh, come come and, uh, come after people immediately when somebody does something racist. That happens. But that doesn't mean that this country is systemically racist and we have to change the country into something else. Why is everybody else trying to come to the U.S. then?
0: You know, we don't have time to get into because we only have like a minute. But and I, we'd be remiss to talk about what happened in Wisconsin and not mention the Waukesha massacre. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Uh, where Daryl yeah. Brooks or something, I think is his name, uh, got in that red SUV and mowed down a bunch of people, including old ladies and uh, young girls. I mean, it's unbelievable. Nobody's talking Uh, about it. And it's interesting because you could almost make an argument that if there's any sort of systemic racism in society, it's going the other way these days because that was a black driver and that story is getting buried. Nobody's really talking about it. It's the whole what about ism, but it just like, what if it was a white guy who was a Trump supporter that would be leading the news every single day from the moment it happened for the rest of our lives. <laughs> like, right. So it, it, it's interesting. Anyway, but that's going to have to be the, uh, the, the final thought for this show. Sorry, because that's a pr- pretty big question we could talk more about. But Imran Razvi, Daniel Razvi, David Forsey, I'm Troy Skinner. This is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD, online at WFMD.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to connect with us, easiest way to do that probably is to contact me, and the best way to find all my contact information is to go to householdoffaithinchrist.com. Householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from now, God bless.